0: Preparation and the next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies to be left on the cross during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the bodies taken down. Later, Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. At the place where Jesus' body was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? There was a violent earthquake, for an angel for the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not there.
1: All right. Good morning, Christ Church. Happy Easter. It's Easter Sunday around here, so happy Easter to you. I'm Pastor Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here at Christ Church, and it is a blessing to be able to share with you and look at this morning the resurrection story a little bit more closely, spending some time celebrating what it is to have Christ resurrected and, and what that looks like, what that means. And it's nice to get to the resurrection considering last week. I mean, it's, kind of, it's been a long week. I don't know about you guys, but there's, there's, it's hard when you've got to wait for that resurrection to come. Because if you remember from last week, if you didn't have a chance to be with us, last week we had the crucifixion. Last week was a time where the, the hero of our story died. We've been traveling through the story. This is our third summer on the story. And we've been seeing Jesus most recently. He's been doing miracles and he's been doing healings and he's been feeding 5,000 people and speaking in parables. And he's the one. I mean, he's the man. He's the guy. He's going to make it happen. His disciples, those who have been traveling with him, eating alongside him, listening, sitting at his feet, they believe it. They know it. This is the guy. He's the promised Messiah. He's the one the story is ultimately all about. And that hero, that guy, the rescuer, the guy who is all about, died. The story... Came to a very abrupt end. The story seemed to end with Jesus Christ lying dead in a tomb, laid out on a slab of rock, in a tomb carved from rock, dead. And it seemed like the story that we've been learning about, that we've been seeking to understand, is over. Like it's the end. And for those who followed him, the disciples, those who were close to him, this is what they saw, this is what they knew, this is what they had experienced. The last time they had seen Jesus alive was as he was hanging, dying on a cross. And when they thought of Jesus, when they thought of their hero, when they thought of the story so far, those disciples thought of the tomb. It was the end of their hopes, of their dreams, of their master, of their, the one that they were going to follow, who would restore things. It was the end. So the disciples those who had followed him and walked with him and aid with him. They did what we all tend to do when we face an end, when we are confused and anxious and afraid. They locked themselves in a room. They put up walls, boundaries, and barriers. They're like, shut the door, lock it, pull the shades. We're not coming out. We're eating canned food for the rest of our life. All right? They're they're hanging out inside. They're scared. They're afraid. It didn't go as they planned. Shout out to you ladies. The girls at least had the courage to leave the door and go and visit the tomb. Guys, too nervous. Much more comfy and safe in our recliners at home. So that's what they're doing. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors. Why? Because they were afraid. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders, the ones who had arrested Jesus. They knew that they were associated with Jesus. They knew that that, that those Jewish leaders would be out looking for the followers of Jesus. Just like Jesus had an arrest warrant, man, anybody or anyone who supported Jesus, you got to be careful, tread lightly. They're afraid of their own arrest. They're afraid of their own death. They're afraid of their own cross. Since they followed Jesus, it makes sense they would die like him. And their story would end in a tomb as well. So they lock the doors and they won't come out. How often, how often are our lives shaped and influenced by fear? whether it be fear of people, fear fear of situations, fear of God, all sorts of fears that come at us. The disciples experienced fear. We are familiar with fear. And how often do we I got to empathize with these guys because I look at my own life and I realize that when I'm afraid, I put up walls. I lock doors. That's what I do. Yes, physical doors, but also metaphorical doors. We put up barriers to, to shield ourselves and protect ourselves is what we tell ourselves. We, we put up these walls, we put up these barriers, and we try to lock others out, even people who have well-meaning in their hearts for us. We put up barriers and walls with our spouse. We put up barriers and walls with our kids. We put up barriers and walls with our church. We put up barriers and walls with our friends. We put up barriers and walls with our coworkers. We put up barriers and walls with God, don't we? I mean, come on, let's call it what it is. You ever try to lock God out of your life? Yeah, huh been there, done that. You ever feel confused and overwhelmed and intimidated and frustrated and you're experiencing a trial and a sorrow in your life that is so big, it's so grand, you can't see beyond it. And so, 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 so you just put up walls everywhere. And you hide because you're afraid. You hide from those that love you. You hide from God. That's what they're doing. And it's amazing to me that despite trying to lock out God and the future, lock out the situation, God still pursues these disciples. That locked doors and barriers can't actually keep God, and specifically Jesus, out. You see, in the resurrection story, when everybody else looks at the situation and says, it's done, it's over, it's the end... Let's treat God as if he's dead and keep everything that we associated with him at bay. In that type of space, God shows up and claims life once again. He's resurrected. Jesus' story does not end in the tomb. There's a part of the Bible where Jesus says, I lay my life down. I have the authority and the ability to do that, and I also have the authority and ability to pick my life up. So he lays his life down as a sacrifice on the cross and dies, winning and achieving so much for those that would follow him. So too, he also picks his life back up. He takes a hold of life. And now he chases down locked doors, to give his disciples that which he won, forgiveness, grace, and life. It happens like this. In the midst of these disciples, the Scripture said, right, they're behind locked doors, they're meeting, they're afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, all of a sudden, miracle of miracles, Jesus is standing there among them. Jesus shows up. I mean, he's God. He can do what he wants. So it's like, don't ask me how it all works. Somehow he shows up. They're all there, and now all of a sudden he's there. Jesus is there. He appears. And the first thing that the resurrected Christ said to his disciples was, Ta-da! Ah, it's Easter! All right, some of you got that joke. So it's... Uh, um. Pastor Bob is the senior pastor here. He's the guy in the pink up there. And he tells the same Easter joke every single Easter. And the punchline is... Ta-da! So I have done my due diligence and worked the Easter joke in. And I figured I would show you a picture of my brand new baby girl up there.
0: Ah, ta-da!
1: That's my baby girl. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your support. She came this past week and and joined our family on Wednesday morning, early morning. Her name's Eliana Grace, so I just wanted to say thank you uh, for your support over these months and your prayers. So, uh, ta-da. Ta-da is not actually what he said. Hate to break it to you. I know it's a great joke. Tada is not the first thing Jesus said. Uh, if you look at your scriptures, if you go into the book of John, you find a very poignant thing, though. He says something very powerful to his disciples. This is the first thing Jesus says as he's with his scared, confused, nervous, and overwhelmed disciples. He says this. Peace be with you. peace be with you. In the midst of the fear and the anxiety and the confusion and what's all that's taken place, Jesus Christ shows up in the flesh. It's actually him. This is not a vision. This is not a ghost. This is not some sort of apparition thing. Jesus even says, look, here, check it out. I got wounds in my hands and I got a wound in my side. Their response, they're filled with joy. When they see that this is truly Jesus Christ back from the dead, he's resurrected. And Jesus' message, his gift to those disciples, he says, Peace, the peace of the resurrected and risen Lord. Jesus, peace be with you. And amidst the fear and the anxiety, Peace that I have won, peace that I have claimed, peace that is mine to give, I now give to you. Peace be with you, he says. This is tremendously profound. You see, in our lives, just like the disciples, peace is something often vacant, it's something we want, it's something we need. Something that we are looking for and searching for. Too often it's because our lives are filled with trials, they are filled with sorrows and challenges that come against us, and we don't know what to do. And we long for peace, tranquility. Jesus shows up and he says, Look, I'm back, I'm alive. And what I accomplished on the cross, the peace that I won for you, I now give you. Peace be with you. The forgiveness that I won for you on the cross, it's yours. The love that I have for you, that I showed you on the cross, it's yours. The grace, the compassion that I have for you, that I displayed and went to the cross to prove, I give it to you. The gift of a peace which surpasses all understanding. I give to you. Jesus shows up to these scared, nervous, confused, afraid disciples who are too busy thinking about how to lock the world out, lock God out, lock the situation out. Jesus shows up and he says, Peace. Peace be with you. He won and accomplished that peace through the sacrifice on the cross. A peace that he gives to us. A peace that comes from knowing and experiencing his forgiveness. You could say it like this the peace of the cross, it is given, it is gifted. As Jesus Christ rises from the dead, he gives to you, through the power of the resurrection, the peace that he accomplished upon the cross. This is a meaningful peace. This is something you experience. It's something that I can talk about, but when you truly experience it, it sinks in. A peace that will bring you through even those fears and locked doors. First and foremost, the peace that Christ accomplished on the cross is peace with God peace with God. A lot of us are so deeply shaped by our history and our past that it often shapes the way that we understand God. We're shaped by our fears. We're shaped by our struggles. We're shaped by the things that attack us and come against us, and that shapes the way that we see and understand God. And so we end up with this image of God as this taskmaster or this judge or this guy who's going to hop outside of a cloud with a lightning bolt looking to fry you. Jesus shows up and says, no, 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 no. Peace. You have peace with God. The scripture says it like this in Acts 10. This is the message of the good news. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Whatever baggage, discouragement, whatever things that you carry with you that help inform the way that you see and understand and know God, Jesus Christ has come so that you might have peace in your knowledge and experience of your heavenly Father. You have peace with God. When God looks at you, he's not ashamed. He doesn't, there shouldn't be guilt or frustration. When God looks at you, he's, he's overjoyed. He's excited. He was so adamant about you and your future and the possibility of your story continuing on that he sent Jesus to make sure that it happens. Jesus loves you. He pursues you. God has plans and purposes for you. He's not not angry with you. Yes, are there times where any good parent will look at what their child does and go, oh my gosh, wish he wouldn't have done that. Yeah, totally. Does God do that for us? Yeah, totally. Gosh, wish you wouldn't have done that. But does that prevent a family or or a child from receiving the love of the Father? No. Does that stop God from being excited about you, jazzed about your life, entrusting you with decisions, responsibilities, walking with you, and spending time with you? You're not at war with God. You have a lasting, satisfying peace with God that Jesus Christ won and accomplished through the cross. It's not only a peace that translates into your relationship with God. It's actually peace that you have over and against the world as a whole. The circumstances that you find yourself in, the culture that we live in, you have been entrusted with a peace that should inform and strengthen you and shape you over and against the world. The Bible says it like this in John 16. Jesus is predicting his death. This is before the crucifixion. It is before the resurrection. But he talks about both death and and resurrection, and more specifically, peace. He says, I have told you all of this. That is, I'm going to die, and I will be raised to life. That's what he says right before this. I'm going to die. I'm going to be raised to life. I've told you this so that you might have peace so that you might have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Now, he names it. doesn't mean that when you live into the peace that Jesus Christ has given you and that that you can live into, doesn't mean that all of a sudden life is hunky-dory. It doesn't mean that when you become a Christian, you start sneezing butterflies and burping rainbows. Okay? There will not be a unicorn in your room when you wake up tomorrow morning. You will experience, as a follower of Christ, all that this world is in its brokenness as well. The difference is, for us who have Jesus Christ, our trust, our hope, and our life are dependent not on us, nor this world, but on Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, we have peace in him. And so we can take heart, even in the midst of our trials, even in the midst of our struggles, we can find peace in Jesus. I mean, think of the disciples again. It doesn't mean that once Jesus arrived and said, peace be with you, that all of a sudden the Jewish leaders were no longer looking for them. It doesn't mean that their lives weren't still at stake. It doesn't mean that they still didn't have a wanted poster with their faces on it. No, that all was still very real. But it meant that their lives and their hope were in the resurrection and not on this world. And that they could find peace in that hope and in that purpose of Jesus Christ. So as you face trials, you can also face trials with peace. The peace Jesus desires to give to you that he won for you through the cross. Peace with God, peace over and against the trials and the struggles of this world, peace also with others, peace with other persons, and specifically with your church family. You should experience a measure of peace in the fellowship. Doesn't mean we're not going to all, all have disagreements anymore. No, that will take place. Doesn't mean that we all see eye to eye. Doesn't mean that everything's all hunky dory within the context of the church. We're broken people. When you put a whole lot of broken people together, guess what you get? A whole lot of broken people together. But as as much as we have our differences, we have Jesus Christ. We may have different opinions, but we have the same Lord, the same Savior, and therefore the same peace that we can give to one another. And so when we interact with one another, when we engage as a community of faith, we do so from the context and the orientation of peace. There's a saying that's been handed down from generation to generation of Christians. It's a saying where the pastor or presider will get up and he says, peace be with you. And there's a response. Do you guys know what the response is? You know it. Okay, let's try it. Peace be with you. We give each other this peace. That's what we're doing when we say that. Peace be with you and also with you. May you experience and may you know The peace that comes from knowing and experiencing Jesus Christ. Now, we should not be surprised by any of this. Irony, ironic, yes. We should not be surprised at the resurrection. Jesus predicted it. He said it's going to happen. In fact, he even promises peace will follow his resurrection. In John, again, in John 14, he says this, As he predicts his death once again, he says, guys, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. And then he follows it up with this. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. Right? We, I mentioned earlier, we chase after peace in a whole lot of places. We try to find peace in a nice new shiny car. We try to find peace in a secure bank account. We try to find peace in the mirror. We try to find peace in a relationship. We try to find peace and satisfaction in all of these areas of this world, but ultimately none satisfy. We keep running around trying to find it, but it actually finds us in the person of Jesus Christ. When he gives you his peace and you embrace and know it and experience it, it's, it's supernatural. I don't know how else to describe it to you. When you understand, know, and believe what Jesus Christ did on the cross for your sake, and he forgives you, that he loves you, that you are cherished, and you experience the peace that comes with that. You realize that nothing in this world could ever satisfy that. And that's what Jesus desires to give to those that would follow him. And so he says, the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled. Don't be afraid. Don't put up doors. Don't put up barriers between yourself and others or barriers between yourself and God. Don't do that. Don't be afraid. Instead, remember what I told you. I'm going away. That is, I'm going to die. But I will come back to you again. I will be resurrected. And with my resurrection comes all of the hope, the promise, and peace that I have won in my death. What's particularly beautiful about this promise is that he says, I'm going away, but I will come back to you again. That works not only for the cross and the resurrection, it also works for right here, right now. Because Jesus goes away in the physical sense. He ascends and sends his spirit, so he ascends. I'm going away, but what is his promise for you, for me? For us, I will come back to you again. Those of us who are disciples of today, who follow after Jesus and seek to live the Christian life, we believe that just as Christ experienced resurrection, we too, we also will experience resurrection when we are raised to life when he comes again to judge the living and the dead. You ever hear that before? It's part of the Apostles' Creed. That's what we profess. It's what we claim. That Christ will come and that when he comes in his fullness, we too shall experience the resurrection and the fullness of the peace forever that he won on the cross. That what he accomplished will be so real and so tangible that we won't need eyes of faith anymore, but it will be right there in front of us. And that you, you will be ushered into the eternal life that he won on the cross. Therefore, you and I can experience peace even here and now, hoping and trusting in the peace that the resurrection and the promise of our resurrection brings us. So, peace be with you as you live out your week, as you live out your life, as you're in your commute, as you're hanging out with the kids at home, as you're facing a trial, as you're facing a struggle, as you say goodbye to a loved one, as you navigate life. Remember this. Jesus came to give you the peace that he won upon the cross. He came that you might have hope, strength, courage, life and that your story would not end. It would not end in death or a tomb for you, just like it did not end in death or a tomb for him. You have the promise of resurrection, and therefore the peace that comes with that. So I say to you again, Christ Church, peace be with you. Let's close with prayer. Gracious God, we give you thanks that in your sovereignty and in your compassion, you would send Jesus Christ to die upon a cross. And Jesus, in your humility and in your sacrifice upon the cross, you would defeat sin, death, and the devil, and win for us, your followers, your people, peace. Everlasting peace. And that just as you are resurrected from the dead into new life, we too have that promise of being ushered into life once more, life beyond the grave, that our stories could continue and we could experience an everlasting peace that comes through your victory over death. We pray against the fears and the baggage that so often uh, makes us put up barriers and, and doors and lock people and lock you out. We confess that. We ask for forgiveness. And we ask instead, help us experience and know your peace, a peace which surpasses all understanding, a supernatural peace, that whatever trial or struggle we face, we would have your peace, that we would have you Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that we would experience this and know this according to the grace and the power that is found in your holy and your precious name. We pray this in Jesus, your name. Amen.